in the same spirit of worship that we've experienced this morning, a beautiful, sweet worship anointing that we've experienced. Let's go ahead and listen to and for the word of the Lord in the gospel of Luke. As Jesus, in another gospel, said resolutely, or he had decided to go down to Jerusalem. As Jesus has decided to go down to Jerusalem where he is going to be faced his death, this happens before he gets there. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and he entered a village there. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves before the priest." So as they went, they, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Huh. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground, of, uh, to the ground at, uh, at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. This man, by the way, was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing a, a message. This month of July has been very, very long. I don't know why. Uh, but for I felt it's been a very long month, and obviously there were five Sundays, and I think that's the issue. I typically, for those of you who are visiting or, or beginning to come here to Loud Hope, I like to teach in one month series four messages. But for some reason, when we have those extra Sundays, it gets longer. I got to think harder. I got to come out with sermon titles, though. Uh, I enjoy developing this season, uh, these messages, and this series. If you look in, how, how many of you have the next month's calendar? You have the, the, the bright lime lemon kind uh, in the back you will have uh, the series that I am teaching throughout the month of, of August now throughout the month of August the, 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 the title is ties that bind together so we're gonna do some very strange things in here I'm giving you a heads up in here <laughs> okay so I don't want to hear it we're going to have fun. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to illustrate in every single Sunday how is it those ties that bind us together as brothers and sisters. But I am finishing today the series that we have called Stories of Grace. Stories of amazing people whose God, God himself, involved in their lives, engaged, interrupted, disrupted their lives, their normal life. They were okay. And suddenly God interrupted in their lives. God erupted in their lives. God made God's self known in their lives. And their lives were never, ever the same. And we read the stories of these amazing four characters. The four characters that we, that, that we talked about was, for example, how, and we, we read how God's grace was offered to Samuel, the little boy Samuel who was working in the temple, and how God called him to be a servant of the Lord, and how Samuel learned to listen and hear and identify the voice of God. 
We also saw how God pours God's grace on Ruth and how she was able to see God's grace, to see God's involvement in the life of Naomi, in the life of her husbands and her family who were in foreign land and suffering, and yet she saw the hope, she didn't see the despair, and she discovered a God that was good for her, and she followed after that God because she was able to see God in other people's lives. We saw also how God's grace showed up at the gate of the town of Sarepta with a prophet. And there was a widow there gathering some wood ready to die, to just cook the last meal that they had, whatever they had, and she was just going to eat, give her son food, and lie down and die. But as God's grace showed up through the prophet, she decided to believe God. Not only to believe in God, but to believe the challenge that God was posing towards right in front of her. That if she fed the the prophet, she and her family will always have food throughout the rest of the famine. And we saw how that happened. Last week, we saw how God's grace turned a young coward boy like myself, I mean like Gideon, into a liberator for his people and judged through the life moving of God's grace and God's power as God moved that young man throughout every one of those experiences. By grace, we mean God's positive, loving favor towards you. Let me say that again. By grace, what we mean is that God, God himself has stopped the battle. Do you have a battle with God? Do you have an issue with God? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel ashamed? Do you feel worthless? Quit! God has solved the issue by sending Christ and Christ died for us and made it over. God is no longer angry with us. Do you get it? There is another brand of Christianity that teaches us that we just have to, to, yes, trust that and then try to do good. And if we do bad, we got to confess or else we go to hell. What the heck? God is in charge, not us. So it is not by what we do. We can do nothing wrong in the presence of God that God will reject us. That's what Scripture teaches. Nothing created on heaven and earth can separate us from the love of God. Remember that? So God showed his grace in a positive, effective, and transforming intervention in the lives of these individuals. God was erupting their reality. They weren't looking for God. They were actually, you know, trying to, God, boom, busted them. I call that holy arrests. And it happens gradually sometimes, and it happens all of a sudden sometimes, but God is the God that is involved in that. So when, when, when God's favor us, we begin to learn to listen. When God favors us, we begin to see God in action. When God favors us, we begin to see others. We begin to believe that God is doing God's thing. And when God favors us, we begin to move in God's will and God's direction because God is the God that's moving us. You know, the stories that we... That that I shared with you, all four of them actually fall in the period of of Israel's history called the Judges, right towards the end of the period of the Judges. This is the period in Israel's history that that they have already left Egypt, they have already conquered the Promised Land, and now they are established in the land. They have no central government. They have no, no, no king. They have no... So there are basically some tribes, and they have a, a covenant 
that God has made with all of them. So they respect that, but some tribes were warrior tribes, some tribes were farmer tribes, and some were cattle tribes. So, you know, they had their own distribution of the economy in that land. Very normal, very good. But the stories that took place that I shared with you in the last month, all four stories take place during the period of the judges. The book of Judges begin, and the people of God did the wrong things before the, before the presence of the Lord. And the book ends, and the people of God had turned around and done the wrong things before the Lord. Between those two texts, <laughs> that are not very positive, aren't they? Between those two bookends, we have seven cycles Seven stories that repeat themselves. And these were four of those stories. Stories that tell us how when we are in need, that first of all, stories that tell us that God is good to everyone, and that when we are responding to God, how God wishes us to respond, all the blessings are upon us. The goodness is upon us. Prosperity is upon us. Peace is upon us. But the people of God get comfortable in peace. They get comfortable in prosperity, and they forget God. And we love our ATM cards, and we go shopping, and we go consuming, and we go materialistic and we do all the stuff of this world and we, oh, by the way, and we include God one hour a week. Seven times the story repeats itself. But every single time God responded in grace, God responded in mercy, God lifted up the people because it is God's people. We are not unto ourselves. We saw the spiral and every time Every single one of these cycles took place. The people of Israel were sinking worse and worse and worse. You know, we experience cycles in our lives. Some of us, we are, well, all of us are born, hopefully. We experience childhood. We experience what's called years in school. Then the world throws us out there and we don't know what to do. I had a script, so I followed it. <laughs> they gave me a script. And I had to follow it. But some people are confused. Some people get into the marriage relationship. Some join together. And then family happens, like with my brother, Sean. He was married with Paulette, and the baby came. And that changes our lives. That begins another cycle. That's a long cycle, buddy. It begins another cycle in life. Priorities are shifted. Priorities change. You know, we also have those cycles in faith. Our life of faith is also cycle after cycle of faith. We learn about God. We grow learning about God, but we also know that we tend to go to the left and to the right instead of keeping the straight and narrow. And God brings us back, but we learn in that cycle. And hopefully, as we go through those cycles of faith, we experience growth. And instead of spiraling down, we spiral upward. Paul calls it this way, from one degree of glory to the other, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit, who gives us God's life. Let me tell you, in the Old Testament, they engaged God because God engaged them. Each one of these characters had the choice not to even look at God, to ignore God. The widow, you know, she chose, oh, you this man crazy. You, want, you, want, you are a religious man, and you are trying to take my stash? Come on. Look at it. It could be looked that way. Gideon, oh, no, dude, I'm standing in this hole. I ain't going to go for a war. I, I don't like to sweat. I don't like to see blood. 
and he could have stayed in the ground and not respond to God. So could Samuel could have kept on sleeping and thinking. Those are people talking outside the window. And Ruth could have stayed home and not bother herself to be the foreigner in Judah. The grandmother of King David, by the way. They could have chosen that, but God's compelling presence was there. So how did they respond? How did each one of them respond? In the Old Testament, they responded by seeing. They saw God working. They heard God. So they began to believe God, and they moved in God's movement. In the New Testament, in the story that we read, we have similar patterns. We have the patterns where, you know, in our text, is an amazing story of ten lepers. The lepers were, by the way, this is a, a, a symbol. Jesus didn't choose ten people with heart problems. They were there. Jesus didn't choose ten diabetics. They were there. He didn't choose ten people who, who, who just had developmental disorder. They were there. But he chooses ten lepers to tell this story. First of all, they called on him, Okay. So they have heard something about Jesus. He chooses 10 lepers. Why? The lepers were very, very, very rejected people. They were alone. They had to abandon their, their, their home. They had to abandon their life. Have you heard of, of, Sal, of Solomon the, the leopard in Scripture? It was a leopard that Jesus healed. And it was a very wealthy man. And he was able to go back to his home. Get who, whose father he was. He was the father of Lazarus. Father of Mary and Martha. Yeah. The owner of the, of the big house where, where Jesus hung out by the pools to rest before he went into Jerusalem to deal with that, those people. You see? But Jesus is confronted by these ten dejected, ashamed, guilt, self-conscious of diseased people who had abandoned their life, were living in isolation by society, and religiously speaking, if you were a leopard, God's wrath was on you. So you can imagine. You know what? They didn't care. They didn't care what society said about them. When they heard that Jesus was coming, they said, oh, we're going to go together. And one didn't go. They, you know, there is more confidence when more people go. So they got together and they decided to confront Jesus. Jesus, 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 have mercy on us. But you see, the leprosy did not hold back Jesus. Their rejection did not hold back Jesus. They could have been angry, Maybe. But Jesus knows that his mission precedes any human structure and categories. So Jesus tells them to act on their faith. They call on Jesus to heal them. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. What? Well, this is what happens. If you were sick, the old Jewish law said that if you were sick, if you were uh, uh, in disgrace or something happened to you and the whole thing was turned around, because people got healed, then you were supposed to show yourself to the priest. The priest would bless you. You would take a wash. And now you could go back into society. Now the kingdom will welcome you again. This is what was going on. So Jesus tells them, act on your faith and go show yourselves to the priest before they were healed. I wonder if on their way a, a finger dropped or something. They were, oh, yeah, they were liberal. <laughs> Let's get Gloria real here. They were walking away. And as they were walking away in obedience, in risk, in belief, and in faith, as they were walking away, one of them realized, oh, 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 
and he went back. He ran back to Jesus. He ran back to Jesus because he knew where the source of the blessing had come from. He ran back to Jesus. He probably, I mean, uh, he, and he fell at Jesus' feet and he thanked Jesus. He responded with gratitude. God intervened in his life and he responds with gratitude. The other ones, uh, the other nine, what do you think really, really happened? You know what? If, if, if parts of your body are falling off and you're decaying as you're walking through town <laughs> and you're having to beg for everything in your existence, you're grateful when you're healed, right? I'm sure all 10 of them were grateful. I am sure all 10 of them showed up eventually to the priest. I am sure all 10 of them eventually got back into their homes and into their businesses. I'm sure all 10 of them got what they needed. But only one came back to Jesus. Only one saw where the source of the healing comes. The others, I'm sure they were grateful, but they never manifested, they never expressed, they never articulated their gratitude. This one responded by action. Not only responded in faith by walking away and being healed, but then turned back because he knew where it was coming from. So our cycles of faith in our life cycles, how do we respond to God? You see, God is there in our lives, and God is not quiet, as Francis Schaeffer used to say. God is speaking to each one of us today. God is showing God's self to each one of us in many ways. Are you, are you hearing God? Are you seeing God? Are you beginning to believe God as you move forward? Our best response to God is not come to church on Sundays. That's silly. That's ridiculous. If you think this is what God wants, hello. Where are my keys? I'm walking out of here. Oh, I can't. I think I'm getting paid next week. Two weeks. <laughs> but our best response is to listen, is to learn. And as we listen and learn, we grow in faith. And as we grow in faith, we're encouraged to move. See the cycle? And that's what we do. Our best response is to believe God, letting our faith be greater than any of our fears, our logic, or even our opinions. Our best response is to learn. Our best response is to, to sharpen, like, no, no, I want to say like I was going to say, to sharpen our vision, to sharpen our vision, to focus and see how God is actually working in our lives. Our best response is to live a life of gratitude, not a life of hoarding and wanting. It's a life of giving, giving of our time and service, giving of your treasures so we can put it all together and make a difference in this community like we have done this summer camp. Oh, my gosh, have we made a difference in many people's lives this summer camp. There was a family. They're not here. That's why I can tell the story. I was torn. I wanted them to come, but I didn't want them to come because I want to tell the story. And I'm not going to tell who they are, but, you know, they would probably feel a family who, who we discovered, they brought the kids to summer camp, and, and, the, and the parent, with all good intention, is trying to homeschool them. But life is difficult. She's a single mom. She can't bring a, you know, create a living, a support environment, you know, and be a teacher at the same time. So we found out that the girl who's 11, the boy who's 9, they've never been to school. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. 11 and 9. They didn't know the numbers. 
but they came to Lotto Hope Summer Camp, and we saw it, and we heard, and we believed God wanted something to do with that family. And that family, this coming fall, those kids are going to school. They're going to come here in the morning and go to Richards Christian Academy. Isn't that amazing? A family was rescued from that darkness because how we put our monies together to help our community. That is responding in gratitude. Nate, it happens. We were talking about that nine weeks ago. It happens. Now this week we're going to be meeting and we're going to be getting the results because we know the kids. Oh, the last week they were tired. They didn't want to do math. I got there around 10.30 one day, and somehow they know it's the last week, so they're not going to do anything. They're, they are conditioned to that. So, so, and I'm looking at, at Julie because she's a teacher, so she knows the dynamics in classrooms sometimes. And, and, and it's hilarious because I'm in the kitchen because I thought I was cooking Tuesday. Uh, uh, Mrs. Austin comes in. Miss Austin comes in and says, they're all crying in the classroom. What do you mean they're all crying? I showed up. I put my head. They were all crying. They didn't want to do any more work. So we shifted and we had fun that day. It's the last week. But they were blessed. The difference was made as our times, the volunteers from the camp, these two ladies, not these two guys, no, no, these two ladies, <laughs> what you going to call them, Doris and Mary. They were the kids, the, the kitchen Nazi. Oh, they ran that kitchen. They fed the kids and they fell in love with the kids and the kids fell in love with them. This year we received a lot of compliments. A parent whose kids were in vacation the last week showed up with a box of donuts for all the staff. I got a letter here, a note from one of the parents. Is it here or is it over there? It's right here. This was one, I, I got like three emails. Parents thanking us for the time, the love of their kids, they were impacted. This one say, um, thank you for making the camp affordable for parents to send their kids knowing that they are in a safe environment. May God continue to bless you and all of you do. Another one here. These were the kids in the kitchen for the kitchen staff. They made and they put their little hearts as they appreciated what the staff did. And way in the back, Miss Kate, you had your little kids, and you had fun with them, and they had fun with you. And then way in the back, we have the lady with a purse who just, okay. No, I'm talking about the lady with a purse, who every time we went for money, okay. <laughs> but then, of course, look who's sitting next to her, the director of the camp. Watch them. <laughs> so as Pam, who's the director of the camp, Planned, organized with Richard Christian Academy, we saw, we saw the parents thanking us. We have felt their appreciation. We see them desiring to come with us and worship with us. Listen to what God is saying. See what God is doing and believe that God is in charge. So let's move in God's grace, become people of gratitude. This is the way it's described in, in, in Ephesians. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. We do them because we're saved. We don't do it to be saved. It is a result of what God has done with us that we move into doing these good things. For, God's, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we 
so that we can do the good things that God has planned long, long time ago. Grace is given by God. Faith is given by God. And we respond in gratitude. Amen? Well, I had you. Now let's stand together. And, and this is old Irish song. We've been kind of Irish today with you, Raise Me Up and those things. We have this song that we're not going to sing. But take my life is a response that we should properly do before God. So let's confess the words of the author as we repeat together the prayer. As a prayer, take my life. Together, please. Take my life and let it be consecrated or to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move in the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my lips and let me be. Filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold. Take my shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever all to thee. Let us pray. We thank you, God, that, that you have the audacity, that you have the, you take the risk in interrupting invading our lives in so many ways. We thank you that through your spirit, your life becomes real, your life becomes obvious, your life becomes. We thank you that you speak to us through words, through symbols, through experiences, through smiles, through nature, through your word. Help us listen, O oh God. We see you in the face of the needy. We see you in the face of the heart aching. We see you, O oh God. We see you doing amazing things in our lives. We see you, God, protecting, providing in our lives. Teach us to not only believe in you, but believe you. And in that way, we can move our lives and become the difference in people's lives. Help us, O oh Lord, to be who you want us to be as a church and as individuals. We have our brothers and sisters who are in pain and who are home. We pray for Sarah. We pray for Paulette. We pray for the other ones who are ailing, O oh Lord, for Buck, 
And we pray for David who's here. We ask your hand of healing and comfort and peace to be on their lives. And we ask you, oh God, humbly to, to be, to give us the privilege of being that peace to others as you called us. We thank you for the place that we live in. We thank you for what you have provided. But we have families in our midst who are needy and, and they just need to feel your presence. They need to see you act on their behalf. And, and we talk about here that you favor us. Show your favor in physical ways, O oh Lord, that we may glorify you. We thank you. And we thank you for Jesus who, who loved you and obeyed you all the way to the end and gave us the life that we have now in the Spirit. And who taught us to say as we pray together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.